DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. So, when everything hit pause, the Jazz were up 3-2 on the Nuggets. Do you have any idea when they might play again? I don't, um, but it feels like it would. It will. I would. I, it feels like I don't. I don't know um, that we'll get an announcement today that we're resuming Saturday and Sunday. That just kind of feels like you know. There's there's a bunch of factors that make me believe that. Um, one of which is, you know, I think the bubble is having an impact on guys, and uh, I don't think anyone wants to delay like a week while staying in the bubble. Um, so I, I think I think you'll see us move forward on Saturday and Sunday. So does an extra day or two, whatever it might be, advantage either way, or is it a wash? You know, I kind of knew that question was going to get asked. It's the natural question, so I just was trying to figure it out. Um, you know, in one sense, um, it gives, you know, I think Denver obviously had some nice momentum. Um, they'd really changed the way we played the last two games, and so I think they had that. Uh, on the other end, I think Denver, if, if they're going to get Gary Harris back, they would get him back now. Uh, which is a huge edge, huge bounce for them. Uh, I think that, you know, they really, they they put out their guys for huge minutes. Jokic and Murray, I don't think, checked out in the second half. Um, now, in turn, Gobert didn't check out either. So, um, but maybe that's a little bit of an advantage for Denver that they get a, a rest. Um, and I guess the final one would be, I don't know if it matters if you're trying to beat a team three times over five days or three teams over or three times over nine days, whether it makes a difference. I have no idea. Um, I actually guess that it's probably not, not an impact. Like the series will just play out and whatever was going to happen will happen again. Um, so other than the Gary Harris part, I, I don't see anything really tangible. So even with the Gary Harris part, when it's been so long since you've right. played game conditioning, uh, you know, the rhythm with your teammates, how big an impact can he have? Well, it's really interesting because I think he could have had a huge impact in maybe after the Jazz blew them out in those two games just to give them a little bit of an edge. But they changed the way the Jazz were playing for game four and five and have altered the way the Jazz are playing the game now. So I think they probably feel they have things headed in the right direction. And so then I do think there's a real concern of like, what do you do? You know, where does Gary Harris fit? But he's a pretty good on-ball defender and at times in his career he's been an elite level shooter and then he's you know probably got as much inconsistent a um, shooting trend as any player in the league Um, and at one point in time was an elite rim finisher so I mean he's a pretty darn good player so I kind of generally side on the element of talent but he has not played since inside the bubble so he has not played a basketball game since March I would I'd say there's some that's a legitimate concern. Can the Nuggets win a game, and obviously it would be the series in this case, uh, two games, without Jokic and Murray being at the top of their individual games? Uh, I don't think so. Um, without Gary Harris and without Will Barton, that's their next two scoring threats. And I, Michael Porter Jr. game, game is, is he will score 20 a game in this league, but right now it's not diverse enough. Right now it's really a catch-and-shoot and a one-dribble-left game. Um, but it's not. He doesn't have a one-on-one isolation game, and he doesn't have a, a breakdown in that sense. So, um, uh, I don't think so. I mean, what's really the most interesting thing that's happened in this series is that Denver has gone away from the Murray Jokic two-man game. 
Um, actually, last two games, that pick and roll has been really ineffective. And if you go back and look at Murray's second half explosion the other day, they only ran the Murray Jokic pick and roll four times in that entire second half, and they went one for four on converting on that pick and roll. They converted on every other. They went perfect. Otherwise, um, we did not get a stop if they ran something other than the Jokic Murray pick and roll. Um, and so that, to me, is the most interesting aspect of all of this: is that Denver, in that two-man game, is now may not be involving both of them every time. And if that two-man game is not quite as effective. Um, you know, obviously it was early with Jokic going off for his 21 first quarter points. Um, there's just that's that's what's going to be interesting to me as the game as the game goes on is how much they rely on that because yes, they do have to have those two guys as the key pieces. For the Jazz fans who are sitting back listening, thinking to this, thinking this series should be 5-0 right now. Donovan shouldn't have had the backcourt violation; they would have won Game One. And Game 5, they were up by 15, and they clearly thought it was over and had them, and they let up, and, and they got beat. Is that a fair assessment of the five games, which would give you a lot of confidence going into Game 6? Or is that like, hey, 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 that's not how the playoffs work. Of course stuff goes wrong and put your finger on it, but that doesn't mean you can go 5-0. Well, if you're going to say we should have won Game 1, then we should have lost Game 4. So they had an unnatural shooting game in Game 1, going either 20 of 33 or 22 of 33 and above the break threes, and then we had the best out-of-body experience shooting game we've had all season long. We, we shot higher than our expected value in game four, more so than any game all year. So if you want to play that game, you can play that game. And then uh, I'm not sure I buy that, you know, you're up 15. You, you're spo- I mean, you should win if you're up 15, but so that's the, that's what a closeout game is, right? That, um, and I think that what happened, I don't buy that we, like, relaxed. I think what happened was they didn't sub out. So our guys are used to a usual sub pattern and all of a sudden didn't get it. And then I do think, you know, might've mentally blinked a little bit and gotten tired. But when you're Murray, this is the difference between being the team trying to close someone out and the team trying to survive Murray and Jokic get the signal that you're not coming out and they're playing, you know, guts to the wall and because they know that that's the sign that this is it or we're done and they're playing all out. And all of a sudden from a jazz player standpoint, you're like, wait a second, I'm not checking out. Oh no. Wow. I wasn't ready for that. And, you know, just mentally you, you're expecting to go that nine or 12 minutes to start and then you get your rest. And when you don't get your rest because they're coming at you, not because you're going at them, it's a very big difference. And so I think that had an enormous impact on how that game swung late. So then Quinn Snyder should have subbed out, followed no, his usual have. plan, and don't no, let Denver no. dictate it? No, you actually can't because Jokic is too good. No, we can't. We can't play a minute on the floor with Jokic on the floor without Rudy. And the word, the untalked about part of this story is that when Gobert and Jokic are on the floor together, the Jazz defense has been very good. Um, I think the Jazz defense, I don't have, didn't update, um, the NBA didn't update their site for whatever reason. But for the first four or five games of the series, um, that number was about a 104 defensively. I'm sure it's a little higher now. But, no, you can't. we can't play a possession in which Jokic is not, being, is not on the floor with Gobert. Now, it doesn't mean that Rudy has to guard him all the time. Um, but it does – I don't think we can play without um, Jokic being guarded by – you know, without Rudy somewhere on the floor. Uh, in fact, I'm certain of it because I saw it in the regular season, and it, it can't happen. 
All right, so I asked you one question for the Jazz fans who are wildly positive. Let's get one in there for the Jazz fans who are wildly negative. Uh, they're going to blow this, and they're going to lose in seven. And you think that's not true because? Oh, I mean, you know, we've played great, and they, no one's really figured out how to stop anyone yet. And we're, we've done, they, they've made some nice adjustments, and Quinn's the master, and so we'll just make some adjustments on that. I mean, it's not that, like... Um, uh, our defensive rating with Gobert and Jokic on the floor is no longer good, by the way. I just pulled it up. I got an update. It's now 123. So the last two games have been pretty bad. Um, I, you know, I think, I mean, we, you know, we, we can, they really have, they stopped us in the fourth, in the third quarter with some unique things in third and fourth quarter and the way they made some changes defensively. I think we'll react to that and get our offense rolling again. And at some point, I also, I mean, we could probably fall into this too, so this could go either way. And maybe not. Maybe in the bubble, um, shooting in the exact same gym every single night and having just a, a comfort level to what's taking place there. Um, but at some point, I think these teams have to cool off. The, some of this is absurd. Um, but maybe not. You know, maybe maybe that's um, Denver shooting 40% on catch and shoot threes. They shot like 35% during the regular season. Jokic is at 42. I mean, but maybe not. Maybe those guys are in that bubble. The sight lines are so good. They're rested. They're not traveling. Maybe that's not going to be the case. So obviously these players uh, have been doing a lot of social activism and all that. I'm wondering how much energy and emotion does that take? It seems like it would be taxing. And how much energy and emotion do you think that they have lost relative to the game? When the game starts, maybe it's nothing and they're ready to go. Um, I mean, I, I would assume it's very taxing, but I, I think, you know, um, I think sitting, I don't know, because I have not had either of these two experiences, so there's a real supposition here that, but I'm going to assume that being a black male and watching that video is exhausting, regardless of whether you're doing social, um, you know, activism. And I'm going to assume that being in an isolated environment without your loved ones watching that video is exhausting. Um, so I think those two factors are probably more than anything else, but I'm sure this has been an emotionally overwhelming stretch for all the players. I think it, um, you know, but I think that the, the first part of it is probably the most overwhelming is that, you know, that you're a black man in America watching this again. That's been pretty clear to me watching Doc Rivers and Jimmy Jackson and Sam Mitchell and numerous other very, you know, longtime NBA people and, and had Chris Webber's comments the other day. And, and I think it's, we haven't heard a lot from all of our players, but the, those that have been prominent, um, Kenny Smith, I think it's, it's been it's been revealing. So I assume that that means the coaches are all going to coach these guys differently because they've been right there and they've seen all the emotion. And so we know how intense uh, coaches can be during playoff games, but I think everyone's got to kind of readjust for that, don't they? Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think they're going to play. I think we could see Murray 46 minutes. Hmm. I mean, they've had three days off. So actually, I mean, there's some level talking to – sports science guys in the past that actually this is now we actually have crossed over where it might be too many days off right so they were at peak performance they were absolutely 100 percent playing every day other day um at the highest possible level they could push their body and they um they were at the optimum peak of what they could be as an athlete and um 
that might not be as true right now. Um, I don't know what, you know, I heard Houston had a full scrimmage, so um, so they could get Russell going. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly, um, um, I don't know exactly what's going on in, in regards to uh, what practices and things the Jazz have had, but I, I would say the players might be a tiny bit off. But then that would be the same for the other side. So yeah, right. at that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. it's okay. 100%. David Locke joining us right here, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. From what you've seen so far, is there any, uh, any thought that these playoff series are going to go any differently than you expected? Or is everything – I know there were upsets early. Obviously, Milwaukee and Lakers took control of those series. No, I mean, I'm going to give Denver a lot of credit. I didn't know what teams would do when they were down. When you know, Denver's the first team to have won a game that had lost three. Um, now three one's different than three zero, but I didn't know. I thought there was a chance that with the the kind of the isolation of the bubble that um, that there was a chance that teams might be pretty willing to go grab a private jet to Serbia um, rather than play a sixth game and. That was obviously not the case, so impressive in that sense to Denver. The other thing I think we've talked about this whole time that is unique to these playoffs is that the team that is favored in game one is favored in every single game of the series. So if Utah were to have played Denver, Denver would have been favored for four out of the seven games, but the only four out of the seven. Now, it turned out Utah ended up getting favored early on in this series, um, and maybe even night one, um, interestingly enough. And so... Uh, or maybe it would took after after night one or night two. Um, so this is the one series where the favorite is switched. But in every other series, whoever is favored in game one is favored for all seven. Hmm. That's interesting. Is that how does that relate uh, to normal years of playoffs where there's? Well, I think even if the Jazz had played, like if the Jazz played the Lakers, so the Lakers are heavily favored. Lakers would be favored in games one and two by more than they would be favored now, right? Because they would also have home court. So that's right. the other side of this. The games are probably a little closer, but the favorite still wins or still is favored. Um, game three, I would guess the Jazz would be favored or at least pretty close to even. Game four, maybe the Lakers go back to being favored, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's always the kind of the way. And then yeah. game five, the Lakers are favored. And then game six, the Jazz are probably favored. And game seven, the Lakers are favored. So in that series, you'd have five out of seven where the Lakers are favored. If they played tomorrow in the bubble, I would guess that the Lakers are about a six-point favorite every single night. Maybe a five. Um, and, you know, if Jazz and Denver played, I would suspect that night one of the series in Denver, Denver would be about a three- or four-point favorite. So, in other words, home court advantage plus one. And then, you know, probably a three-point favorite in game two, and then the Jazz would be a one- or two-point favorite in game two, and flip, you know, we can play this out. So, that it, in that case, the home team's favorite every single game. Um, but that's just the difference by not having a home court advantage. Um, does, and does that make it easier to come back from 3-1? Or not? I don't know. You know, neither of these two teams in franchise history have either lost a three-one advantage or one coming back from one-three. In the case of Denver, I don't know that any of that is relevant when we're playing in this unique environment. So, make sure I understand this: the the team that is would be favored in this bubble situation uh, is more of a favorite now. Because they don't have to go to the other team's arena? Well, they're just favored every night. 
I'm sure they're a little, so you know, then, there's no home, there's no home court swing, although right. there's a little bit. I mean, that's kind of a funky little thing. I don't know if you guys have followed that, but home teams are actually winning at like a little <laughs> bit higher rate than, and almost at their normal rate of what they are, which actually kind of backs up one of the theories that there's really actually no such thing as home court advantage other than altitude. Um, but yeah, so what the virtual fans are having impacts on games somehow. I don't know if that's true, but um, something about there's something going on. The WNBA and the NBA uh, last I heard, uh, home teams were winning at a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more rate than like you know at, at a statistically relevant rate. Linda Lucchetti sitting there munching popcorn is having a major impact on playoff it games. It really, it really is, and you know, um, well. Yeah, she is. She's, she's well, awesome. now, too, they have dogs there, and you can't bring dogs into the arenas. So, I mean, it's really it's so you, changed absolutely everything. And the people tapping their phones are, you know, to increase crowd noise are having massive impacts. Okay. All right, well, I'm glad we solved all of that. That's right. I don't know. You know, they say that in sports talk radio, you can't be too detailed, so... If, are we better off talking about dogs and virtual crowds or the switching defense of how Denver's gotten out of allowing us to switch and isolate players and that that's altered our offense? And, you know, I don't know. Dogs. Dogs. So you oh, always the, talk you're, dogs. You're the pros. Always talk dogs. People love their dogs. Did you know last week I got bit by my own dog and my toe was all mangled? No, it didn't. Yeah. Don't surprise the puppy. That's yeah, the that's the nasty. that's the memo. I didn't know. Did you got a puppy? I have a yeah. We got a uh, we lost our dog Jan uh, December thirty first, and oh, then uh, I was hoping to extend it a little bit longer. But uh, sh- yeah, and I was down in San Antonio. I had to do a morning show. I texted my wife at the, in the morning. How's the dog? She texted back. He didn't make the night. And then I had to do a, a three-hour radio show by myself, I might add, from a hotel well, room. DJ is never there for you uh, when you need him. <laughs> I was well, on an he was flying to cover, cover the game for Channel 2. <laughs> he no, he should have known. He comforted me later in the day. We hooked he up when he got into town. Uh, so I tried to hold off on uh, getting a dog. I said, well, let's let's wait till August, till after the summer's over. And but then when the pandemic hit, my wife being a school teacher, she says, "No, we got to get it now. I'll be home. I'll be home all this time, so it'll we'll have all this time to train it." So I and you know me, the king of arguing. Well, I couldn't think of a response that was anything ballpark <laughs> where I could have a leg to stand on. We're <laughs> four for that matter. So, <laughs> I had a 15 year old and my wife looking at me, thinking. You're busted, man. You got no comeback. And I didn't. For once in my life, I couldn't argue. So we got the thing in, in March, and, yeah, I surprised him the other night, and he lashed out and spent a couple hours in Instacare. That's not good. You don't have to get rid of yeah, me. Run the way back, again. Yeah. I know. Okay. And, and as well, we're driving over there, my wife says to me, do you, uh, you want to do you want us to get rid of the dog? I said, yeah, right. Suppose I say yes. What's the chances of that right. happening? Zero. So <laughs> right. I mean, so. I'm married. My, I'm allergic to dogs and um, and uh, married my wife with two dogs. And, like, the fact that I couldn't breathe and that I do a job that, you know, 
might use my throat a little bit. It really was relatively irrelevant. Like, just, you know, okay, well, you deal with it because we're keeping the dogs. Like, you're not like, you know, I mean, other than the fact that you can't breathe and, like, you're, you know, it hurts your throat and you, like, in the winter have, like, noticeable problems. I mean, those are irrelevant to the fact that we need to have these two dogs. So I completely understand where the power structure lies in the family. <laughs> David, we appreciate the time. Thanks for the info, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, talk to you soon, guys. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team.